the team at CTS, this is the Train Ride Podcast, our show for endurance athletes who want to learn how to train more effectively and improve their performance. I'm Coach Hillary Allen, your host for the running edition of the show, where it's my job to interview top coaches, scientists, experts, and athletes in the world of running to bring you actionable training tips you can apply to your training. Make sure to also listen to our cycling edition of the show with my co-host, Coach Adam Pulford, which alternates weekly with these running episodes. Now, let's dive into the show and learn how you can train right. This episode of the Train Right Podcast is brought to you by Viome. Viome helps you take control of your health so you can improve your energy, inflammation, and your immune system. Viome's award-winning at-home tests measures your cellular, mitochondrial, and microbiome health, giving you powerful insights with over 30 health scores. Then they help to nourish you by providing precise whole food recommendations as well as supplements based on your unique biology at the molecular level. And finally, watch your health scores improve over time by subscribing to Precision Supplements, following your food recommendations, and then retesting. Viome has partnered with the Mayo Clinic, United Health Group, GSK, and many others. It's also used by Olympic gold medalists and elite professional athletes. Go to Viome.com and learn how you can get your unique insights for better health and wellness. Don't forget to use promo code TRAINRIGHT at checkout and save $10 on your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Train Ride Podcast. Today's guest, we have Emily Carr. Emily is a doctor of physical therapy who graduated with both her undergraduate and doctoral degrees from the University of Michigan. Shortly after graduating, she moved to Colorado and currently resides and works in the Boulder Valley. She comes from a background as a competitive soccer player, which has influenced her treatment style and approach to the high-level athletic population, which comprises most of her caseload these days. She is fortunate enough to be treating at Revo Physical Therapy in Boulder, Colorado. Big surprise, that's how I met her. And she specializes in the treatment of endurance athletes. She's an avid hobbyist who will do pretty much anything if it's outdoors. That's mountain biking, skiing, soccer, and running, to name a few. When she is not at the clinic, you can find her searching and hoping for the perfect powder day, exploring new mountain biking trails throughout Colorado, and hanging out with her exceptionally lazy rescue pup. Hi, Emily. Thanks Hi. for being here. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. This is my first podcast, so <laughs> I feel very honored to be hanging out with you. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, so we're basically, we're sitting in uh, in Revo. Yes. <laughs> so Revo Physio... Uh, Physiotherapy. I always, I just call it Revo. So <laughs> it's all good. I mean, anyone who follows me on Instagram knows that I come here a yes. lot. <laughs> no, I feel like you're like the most tagged person, like, and it's usual. You okay. Revo and here. Okay, so I hope good. so. I hope so. Um, so this is this has become. I mean, I found these guys through um, Matt Smith was mm-hmm. my original PT. Yeah. I found him through um, my huge accident recovery. Yeah, and so I mean, I've dabbled in physiotherapy. Um, like I've seen the need for it kind of mm-hmm. throughout my running career, yeah. but it wasn't until, you know, but it was kind of like a typical runner. Like I would yeah. get injured and then I'd be like, okay, well, I guess I should go to PT now. Like mm-hmm. I literally can't run. Kind of so. wait for things to happen. Exactly. And then, yeah. Yeah. Like literally I remember the last time that I went to a, a, like a PT before the huge accident I had mm-hmm. was, um, you know, this nagging like nerve pain that was caused by some like impingement in my hip. Yep. You know, I always say to, I mean, all the runners that I coach that 
pretty much almost every single running injury comes from hips or core imbalances. Yeah. With the exception of me, if you fall <laughs> off a cliff. <laughs> There's a little asterisk there. There's a little asterisk, and it's definitely applicable to, you know, blunt force trauma. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, these guys just changed my life. I mean, they've become yeah. my extended family. I mean... When I was recovering from all those injuries, it was like a full-time job. Absolutely. And I was here like twice a day. And, you know, they like, you know, leading technology and like blood flow restriction, um, like, you know, when I couldn't weight bear, um, they're just amazing. So that started my kind of love affair with PT. Yeah. And I've, you know, been an avid believer in like, not like believer because it's a cult, but like, yeah, a believer in the process and like. I come like, you know, now it's just part of my, my routine. Yeah, absolutely. No, I feel super fortunate to be here and the guys are, I've, I've learned so much from them. Yeah. Um, and I feel really lucky to be able to continue to learn from them and kind of advance my career in that way. Yeah. And and then we, there's a huge, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just mix of athletes that come totally. in yeah. to Revo. It's not just yeah. runners. There's a lot of cyclists. Lots of cyclists. Yeah. Lots of endurance athletes in general, but it's mm-hmm. like a whole spectrum. So like mm-hmm. I see, like, I can see like, I've seen pediatric patients here. I've mm-hmm. seen geriatric patients here. And I yeah. really love that. And I think that's something I really love about treating in Boulder is mm-hmm. everybody has the same goal. They just want to be able to continue to be active. Yeah. Um, and that looks different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that set, that spectrum of just like what is active to them and how can we keep them continuing to do that? Yeah. And so I guess this is my like selfish ploy for not only the athletes that I coach, but I think just the running population in yeah. general, um, or endurance athlete population in general, mm-hmm. like stressing the importance of, of physical therapy. Yeah. And so I guess <clears throat> I don't even want to specify it for runners yet, but mm-hmm. why do you think, that strength training or, you know, physio is important. And, um, I guess like I can kind of use those, but there's a difference. There's a subtle difference between like physical therapy or, you know, strength training. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, for endurance athletes specifically, their sport is not enough alone to, um, meet the demands of their sports. So you can't Uh just run and expect running to be enough to drive the adaptations that you need to continue to be able to run however many miles you want per week at the level that you want to run. So I feel like it's been a really slow realization in the running community that strength is a really pivotal piece um, to that component. And that's where PT can come in to really really tailor that. Um, So at Revo, we work a ton with strength coaches as well. But I think PT is kind of the piece where we really dive into like the biomechanics and like maybe little subtleties or nuances with form and things like that. Let's say like for a totally asymptomatic runner, we can pick up on little things that could potentially kind of lead to injury um, Mm -hmm. down the road and really hone in on those, um, develop those out with a kind of a strength program and go from there. Um, And then like, obviously with a symptomatic runner, that's our bread and butter. So (laughs) I would love to see more asymptomatic runners. So people coming in just from like a prevention standpoint, Mm -hmm. but, um, a lot of times it's people are having issues, kind of chronic type things that have crept up on them. Um, and that's where I think we can make a huge difference. So, yeah. So, I mean, I honestly, when I first came, like I was afraid, especially because now, like the more I read and the more, um, especially for the trail running that I do, mm-hmm. Matt, my PT, like yeah. he, he has me, I mean, this, I, I, I just say him cause he's like, I don't know. I just always associate him, but yeah. like everyone here at Revo, like yeah. he, 
prescribes me to do heavy lifting. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God. First of yeah. all, my my comment is like whenever he does these things, it's like it's like full body lifts. <laughs> it's not just legs. Um, it's like I was like my bird runner arms, like I can't lift this. And he's like, but Hill, you gotta do it. I watch you roll your eyes at him every time when he's like, you need to do a trap bar deadlift. And I'm you're like, um, but it's so important. So that's like going back to like running alone can't is not enough to make your skeleton stronger. Yeah. Um, and so like, so let's talk about this because I was afraid that like lifting heavy, I'd get like big. Yeah. And you know, like I'm like, I'm past this idea of like, mm-hmm. I think still some runners and I'm, tr- I have to be sensitive to this. Like some yeah. runners are afraid. It's like, you know, um, uh, like the VO2 max, like the easiest yeah. way to build boost VO2 max is be super light. Yeah. But I think that applies less to trail runners. I think so too. And I think, um, there's still just this big misconception. I think it's shifting. I think, um, every time I think of like a strength, someone that's adapted or adopted a strength training program and has done really well, I think of Ellie Kiefer. She's a marathon. Uh, yeah, I know her. Um, yeah. And she was a huge advocate for CrossFit. She did it for a ah. short time and just saw these huge gains in her um, performance. And and she's also a really awesome example, too. Of like, you don't have to be the leanest person out there to perform really well. Yeah. Um, but she was a really big uh, advocate for that strength training piece. And I think she was the first person or one of the first people to like really put it out there, mm-hmm. like maybe five ish years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of building off of that, I think, um, going back to running's not enough to give you the stimulus that you need to do really well. Um, runners have super strong legs, but hips and core are typically a lot weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to load the axial skeleton, meaning like the spine and the hips and pelvis a lot more than we do in just running. So that's where that like external load with like a deadlift, squat, things like that really comes in. And I think that's why um, we have a program for you so much too. Yeah. Um, and also some things that like, I, which I appreciate, um, like I'll just, I mean, it's a form of core. I do these on my own, but like push-ups yeah. or, you know, like in rows yeah. and oh my gosh, like banded pull-ups because yeah. like I need the band. <laughs> okay. No shame, no shame. But yeah, like, you know, every time I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, do I really need to be doing this as yeah. a runner? And I'm like, exactly. but I think, I think it's awesome. And I've known a difference. I mean, in certainly in my recovery, like mm-hmm. I think I, I mean, I, I, I attribute it a lot to Revo. Yeah. Because if I wasn't, I mean, obviously I was super devoted. Like I mentioned, it was like mm-hmm. a full-time job. Yeah. I was in at Revo like twice a day doing yeah. things. Um, and a lot of it, it really wasn't that much. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was, you know, I couldn't walk for three months. So yep. like I had to get creative and, yeah. you know, so did Matt too, but there's plenty of stuff that we could do. Totally. And, um, of course I wasn't lifting heavy then, but then, mm-hmm. you know, we progressed and, um, I just noticed a shift that I was just, I yeah. felt like stronger, totally. more stable. I was able to withstand more training load, mm-hmm. like running. And at that time I found cycling too. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can um, talk to that point. This is kind of a curveball, but like, um, I mean, I've incorporated cycling, but I like how that benefits. It's it's different yeah. muscle groups to me for running. Yeah, I think everyone's different with how they like to like, cross train or like add in strength training. Yeah. Um, I know people that purely just run, but they are really good and careful about their volume week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot on the coaches. Yeah. Um. But that's where I come in and I really stress the importance of if you're, if you're going to be running these high volumes, you need to make like you need to incorporate that strength training to make sure that your skeleton can withstand all that impact. Yeah. Um, and so that's where like 
the threshold for these runners too for strength training. A lot of them haven't strength trained before, but they're such high level athletes. The threshold for seeing an improvement is a lot lower in terms of that strength training. So I say like two days a week, get in the gym, like let's give you just a couple things Mm -hmm. and you can see such a big difference. Um, Yeah. I I just think like the, if people can commit to that, um, the gains are so big there. And I think um, going back to, like you were talking about a little bit about performance. Mm. Um, when I'm having trouble pitching a patient, like a runner, <laughs> like you need to strength train, I bring up the performance piece too. So not only is running um, or strength training a great tool for injury reduction or risk of injury, um, it's also great for performance. So mm-hmm. there's tons of research on the improvements of strength correlating with running economy and things like mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. you brought up VO2 max. Um, yeah. Your body becomes more efficient at um, consuming that oxygen yeah. the stronger you get. So yeah. there's a lot to be said there. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and also just I think if if there's like some sort of an imbalance, like your body's pretty good at adapting. Totally. Like I definitely have, you know, experienced mm-hmm. that. Like, I mean, every person is different. I feel like my body still has its like, you know, right side versus left side. Totally, One yeah. side's tighter yeah. <laughs> yeah. than the other, <laughs> you know, and it's continued to work yeah. on. But like your body's very smart. So if you can kind of like try to work in unison with it. I feel yeah. like you can get a lot, like totally. a lot out of it's it. It's really great to work on those imbalances. Yeah. And to um, bring up like where PT can come in and all of this. I've talked yeah. a lot about strength, but also yeah. looking at like biomechanics, we can really hone in on side to side differences and those like subtle compensations that can really develop into other things. Um, yeah. That's where we really come in kind of um, identify those and then work on like the motor control, the um, muscle activation to kind of mm-hmm. prevent or improve upon those um, and prevent further injury. So that's kind of another big piece of the puzzle um, where we come in for endurance athletes. Yeah. And I mean, I love that because I feel like I've seen that for cyclists a lot. It's like, it's something because for runners, it's so simple. Like we just have mm-hmm. shoes totally. and so we can go out and run, but for yeah. a cyclist, they can come in because they have to get a bike fit. Yeah. So they have to like, cause if, I mean, I get a bike fit and I'm not like a pro cyclist, but like I ride my bike quite a bit. And so with that repetitive motion, you can tell if something's a little bit off. Totally. And so they, it was so funny, like when I was able to run again, um, I remember coming in and they, and Revo put like, they put like these little sensors, like kind of on my, my ankle, my knee, my hip, Mm -hmm. I think the, my like the center of my chest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they had me do single leg, like squats and, um, kind of like some, I don't know, some double leg squats and like measured, how my hip drop. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did this on the treadmills. So they were seeing yeah. kind of my trunk lean and, you know, where my, if my knees are falling in, which yep. is indicative of like weak glute meat or something yep, like exactly. this. Yep, nothing and about it. Man, I remember that like the first time when I was doing this pre, like just at the very beginning of the strength work, yeah. my knee, my knees were like collapsing in mm-hmm. and I'm a very strong runner. So yeah. I was like, Oh, this couldn't happen to me. Like I've got yeah. strong legs. Like, come on. I'm not like a wave of a runner. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> You know, like, I'm like, you know, I felt like I was like pretty strong, but, um, it's just, I mean, running is pretty, um, brutal, like to, and like to the body. And so it's like these little things. And I mean, when I'm talking about like hip drops, this is like from the axes of, you know, like if you draw a straight line across your spine, when one foot hits the ground, you can see the other, um, like side either drop or go up, like Mm -hmm. drop basically to compensate it. And that degree should not be more than 5%. Yep. 
And I remember one uh, one of mine, like, even if it's like five or six, like, I think one of mine was like 9%. um, That can cause significant issues over time. It's huge. If you think about how highly repetitive running is, if you have that torque going through the joint, that's not meant to be going there. Um, And especially talking about like ultra runners, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's an incredible amount of um, force going through a joint. So let's just use the knee joint, for example, because that's where most people see the most dysfunction. Mm. Um, yeah, this but is what I wanted to do. I always Perfect. look, yeah, I always look <laughs> upstream. It's um, typically it's not the knee joints coming up from more proximally the hip and core. Yeah. Um, but that repetitive nature of running, and if you don't have biomechanics really dialed in, that's when things go awry. Yeah. And um, it takes a lot of strength to be able to do that properly. And most runners, I find um, they don't either have the strength, the range of motion or the motor control to be able to really execute just something as simple as a single leg squat really with good mechanics. Dude. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. (laughs) It's super hard. Yeah. Um, But it's like nice to have those objective things to work towards and show our athletes Mm -hmm. um, because that's what's going to be like make the difference, um, in the longevity of their running Mm -hmm. careers. Yeah. And so, oh man, I mean, I remember Matt saying that to me, he's like, Hill, you have to be able to, you know, perfect a single leg squat before, you know, you can do this. And of course, everyone then looks different. Like uh, one of the recurring injuries that I had was, um, ankles. And so my dorsiflexion on one side is like, pretty limited compared yep. to the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's getting better, I mm-hmm. hope, but, yeah. um, but, uh, that would limit my range of motion for like a proper squat. Exactly, so for me, yeah. it's like even more important that my hips are super strong to be able to exactly, yeah. withstand that. And right. so this is like a good segue into kind of like, what are these like common ailments or like specific things that you see with runners? Yeah. I, I feel like it's a myth that they're like, Oh, running's bad for your knees. It's just like, <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's just like, well, let's like work on your no, hips, dude. Bad mechanics are bad for your knees. <laughs> um, and the repo stands yes. always like repo <laughs> butt. You gotta have like strong butt. Repo butt. butt. <laughs> We're gonna trademark it. Okay. Um, I think so. Um, big things like the crux of what we do as a PTs for runners is like bone stress injuries and any like tendonitis stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're gonna be a good PT for runners, you have to be really good at managing those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say right now, my caseload of my runners, I have probably like 50% of bone stress injuries or bone stress reactions. Mm. Um, and from like blunt force trauma or no, no okay. um, so like think like a stress fracture. Okay. Got so it. repetitive, um, stresses to the bone over time. Um, and there's a lot of, man, there, they can be really tough to treat because there's so much going on that go into, um, how I, those develop. I was about to say, yeah, cause like. I think there's a common misperception mm-hmm. um, that stress fractures are due to the pounding nature of running. No. And, and, and like <clears throat> that's really contribute, but I go right. back to like biomechanics. I go exactly. back to like even like bigger picture stuff. Like what does their recovery routine look like? Yeah. Are they getting are they fueling properly? See, um, yeah. A, a lot of the athletes that I work with, like for like if that happens, it's usually a combination of such. It's yeah. like biomechanics are out mm-hmm. and they're probably not eating enough yep. because bone strength is so imp- is like like yeah. nutrition is so pivotal and mm-hmm. so important in that. Yeah. And then also like with your bones, like they're so cool. I used to teach anatomy and physiology and mm-hmm. um, it's so cool to see like you in a bone, it's not just like this, like pure white, like 
Like it's a living organism yep. and like it be creates it's layers upon yes, layers yeah. based on your stress patterns and your gait. Yep. Certain areas of the bone will actually become more calcified and become stronger. Yep. And so if you think about that, if you mm-hmm. have kind of a gait that's off. Yep. Yeah. And it's like Wolf's Law. Your bones will adapt <coughs> to the stresses that are applied upon them. Yeah. But that kind of there's a threshold for that. too. <laughs> so and that's where people a lot of like kind of toe that line. And that's when um, bone stress injuries occur. Yeah. So I'd say that's a big chunk of my caseload pretty regularly with um, runners, um, especially adolescent runners, just because mm. there's a lot going on there. Of course. But, um, yeah. I have, I've had a couple master's runners as well. So mm-hmm. I also look at age has a big role in that too. Um, what is happening um, at the hormonal and metabolic levels too mm-hmm. that could be contributing to that? Um, so I almost always, when I'm treating a bone stress injury, I, if it's an adolescent, I'm talking to their parents, I'm getting them really involved. I usually refer out to a registered dietitian. And I just find that they're a wealth of resource and um, a wonderful resource and just a wealth of knowledge mm-hmm. um, because I know my limitations right. and usually there is a fueling, um, like a mishap there. Yeah. Um, there's something going on in two um, different areas in the body, depending on where the stress fractures is, can be really indicative of, is it like an underfueling problem there too? Where Really? Yeah. What so is- usually like a sacral or like pelvic stress fracture, mm. a lot of times that can um, clue you into certain mineral deficiencies. So the body's actually pulling minerals from the bones in that area, kind of the more core areas. Oh. Um, and then like lower extremity, kind of your typical like a tibial stress fracture, that tells me a little bit more like biomechanics. That's kind yeah. of what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking right away, potentially like a fueling issue. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking more biomechanics, but certainly that fueling can also contribute. What about so, a femoral stress fracture or like something like that? That could go either way too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would look a ton of biomechanics <clears throat> for that too. Yeah. Um, But I think anything closer to your axial skeleton, meaning like your low back, your spine, um, I almost kind of jump to maybe a little bit more um, potential for that underfueling or mineral or vitamin deficiency. Wow. Yeah. See, and then so how does, I mean, because my, I mean, oops, I go straight to like, so my mom, actually, she has osteopenia, mm-hmm. so not osteoporosis, but yeah, like the precursor, the precursor. Yeah. And this was actually because she spent time in the Peace Corps mm-hmm. um, in Nepal yeah. and her diet was like, she wasn't getting enough nutrients that she needed. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and actually she didn't have a menstrual cycle for like two years. That's so common. And that was yeah. in your early, you know, early twenties. Yeah. And so maybe this is TMI, but I don't really care. I'm an athlete. It's fine. Um, I talk about my period to my coach all the time. No, who, I think that's healthy. I think who, that's a good thing. And he's a and man. That has a so. huge role in how, no, that has a huge exactly. role in how you perform as an athlete. Too, yeah. So. And so like me as a, like, as a developing teenager, like I was so active that my menstrual cycle was never the same. Yeah. Like I would go from like with like three months and, you know, maybe like then I'd have a period and then maybe not six months. And actually during my injury recovery, because mm-hmm. my bones were healing so much, I actually did not have a menstrual cycle for nearly a year. And I was kind of, um, like, I know that this stuff is important. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, I, I know it's like one ways to combat that obviously is making sure you're eating enough, but strength training. And that was something that was super pivotal, pivotal for me to kind of get my body reset. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe I think it just signals different hormones um, yeah, to so recruit to your skull system to exactly like all your muscles attached to bones, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, 
you need to pull on those bones to make them stronger. Yep. And how do we pull on those bones? It's going to be resistance training. Exactly. So that's yeah. another, um, there's just so many reasons, but bone health is a huge reason why resistance training is so pivotal for strength, uh, for runners. And so then I guess like kind of at the, along the same line, you mentioned tendonitis, like, yeah. so like, like, yeah, you know, like the, soft tissue stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that can also could overstrength training lead to tendonitis. Mm, um, maybe not. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't jump to that, but yeah. I think again, I, I go back to biomechanics. I know I like sound like a broken record right now, <laughs> but, um, I like to see like how are runners running to really know what tissues are they loading? Or are they overloading? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times people are overloading their calf complex and not using their hips, hips enough. Oh no, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Especially for people running lots of elevation, are you using your glutes enough? Things like that. Yeah. Um, so when I see an Achilles tendonitis patient or tendinopathy or tendinosis, whatever you want to call it, um, um, I'm looking at glute strength a ton. Mm. Are you over, are you trying to like, propel yourself with your calves versus your glutes on those uphills? Things like that. Yeah. And see, actually, I think that's interesting. Like a runnable uphill, maybe mm-hmm. it's easier. Like you get into the calf yep. kind of thing, like the little, yeah. yeah. But I think I love the steep train. And so totally. I can feel myself when I'm power hiking that it's more of like the quads and the glutes. Yeah. And it should be, yeah. it really should be the calves get enough work as it is. They don't need more. Yeah. So, um, that's where the glutes come in. They're the biggest muscle in the body and then you should be really using them. So, mm-hmm. and that's how you're going to propel your center of mass. They're closest to the center of mass. So think about the two, just like a mechanical advantage. Um, you really want to use them to push off. So, and I'm a big fan of, uh, the posterior chain strengthening. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. But why is that? I mean, like it's all on the hips. Yeah. Um, I think that's what Matt says to me every single time I go into Revo. It's like, help, yeah. more butt. I'm like, oh my gosh. Hinge. 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 The, the hip hinge. I know. I go to bed at night and I just hear hinge, hinge in the back of my head. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yeah. So so please, if that's one takeaway that yes. people get from yes. this. Like, Everybody hinge. Exactly. Hip hinge. And come into Revo to actually find out what that is because... Yeah, it's actually really important for the form. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, is there any other stuff you can tell us about like specific PT for runners or like how you treat people when they yeah. come in? I think that's like a, another huge thing is like there is um, and I hope to have like a, another podcast on this too mm-hmm. about the topic of like buy-in. But like totally. there's a lot of like to get, I think a lot for runners, like to get to the PT, things have to be pretty bad Yeah, because I was hit rock bottom. Like it was easier for me to like come back and commit. Yeah. But I feel like that first step. And so mm-hmm. when you're talking to someone, like yeah. how do you get them to kind of buy into it? I think if someone is skeptical and like, let's say they're not injured, I just go right back to that performance piece. Mm. Um, this is how you can make some serious gains if you're not um, strength training initially. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to just PT in general, I can spot, I, I don't think I've ever seen a perfect running pattern. Like, yeah. I think there is something almost everyone can improve. That being said, I try not to change a whole lot. So um, talking about like things like foot strike, um, there's, mm. it's so hotly debated in the yeah. PT world and the running world. And um, it's really inconclusive on like what's best. There's pros and cons to every type of foot strike, right? Um, like, yeah. So like heel versus toe toe versus like midfoot, midfoot. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think I always look proximally. So I look more towards like, what's the trunk doing? What's the hips doing? Mm. Things like that. And I find that can clean up a lot of, if we're having issues downstream that can clean up a lot of things. Mm. Um, so 
even if someone's not symptomatic, like I want to watch them run and try to convince them, like, there's still some things you could probably work on. Like, let's get your glutes going a little bit more. Like, that's mm-hmm. like the number one thing I see is people don't use their glutes enough. Everyone runs really upright. Um, so when you're in this like upright position, it's a lot harder to engage those glutes. So if we can get feel just forward trunk lean, you're going to have a better mm-hmm. cadence. You're going to have a better foot strike. You're going to be able to absorb a lot more through the hips and then use those hips to propel yourself. So it's mm. kind of all um, interrelated. Yeah. And I think, I mean, runners, I think at least hill runners can definitely mm-hmm. um, visualize that. I think a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I say this to some of my athletes, like when we're doing hill repeats, mm-hmm. especially like VO2 max style ones, yeah. which is like 10 by one minute all uphills. Out, yeah. Oh my God, they suck. <laughs> but um, but a, a way to kind of like feel like you're going faster and actually I think does it. <laughs> Two things actually mm-hmm. lean forward into the hill yep. and like swing your arms. Yeah. Like, I feel like that helps you kind of like get into it. You feel like totally. not that you're going to like fall over, but like you're leaning into yeah, the hill. It feels really exaggerated when yeah. you first start working on it, but it makes such a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I think going back to your point of like, why is it important for me to lift upper body? Like think about that, like <laughs> uh, that contralateral like propulsion that you mm-hmm. need to really get those arms going. Yeah. Um, and like, fatigue resistance for those muscles too like you don't want your arms to like kind of bonk out before your legs right like yeah. you really need those arms in those moments when you're yeah. really pushing uphill so that's another piece of the puzzle so. and and so in ultra running like um it, it's kind of more style like in europe like when yeah. they're super steep and really long climbs uh-huh. people use like trekking poles yeah and so in long distance ultra running that's a huge thing and, mm-hmm. and, and again it's like I mean, yeah, there's certain times like you can feel it. I mean, yeah, you don't want your arms eight. to get yeah. sore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you want to like be able to maintain that, right? Yeah. And it's so. actually a good a good um, way for you to like boost your VO2 max as you're like using your yeah, whole body. Exactly, right? <laughs> More bang for your buck. Yeah. And triceps, those yeah. look good on everyone. Check. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But yeah. And so, I mean, but yeah, so. I mean, obviously there's the performance thing that you can talk about for like Mm -hmm. a buy-in, but, um, and, but I mean, also for me, it's like, how do you keep a runner strength training even after they're injured? Cause I feel like that's also typical. It's like most runners are like, oh, well I'm now I'm better. Like I'm going to go running. And it's something that happened to me too. It's like, oh, well, like I just want to run now. So like, I don't have, I don't need, yeah, or I don't have time for the gym, but like, Maybe it was just the nature of my industry (laughs) injuries that kept me a little bit more, Mm -hmm. um, you know, attached to Revo. I think you're you're kind of an exception, but I think obviously falling off a cliff (laughs) leading to those injuries is um is one thing. But most people, their injuries are multifactorial, so there's Mm -hmm. other things that lead up to it, Um, and I don't find that those are just resolved right away. Yeah. Um, so we can get someone asymptomatic. I sure as hell want to get them. Um, I want to get them through that prevention piece too. Yeah. But that's where a lot of people kind of falter. And I think that is something I'm working on as a clinician too, is like selling that, like you, it, like for you to continue running at the rate that you do for the next decade, you need to be doing X, Y, Z. And that's something, um, I think runners are very headstrong. <laughs> um, and that's why they're, they're good at running, but, yeah. um, I think that is something that um, they need to take ownership of. And then I need to really educate them on why this is important. Yeah. Um, So that's something I try really hard to do um, in all my positions, but especially when I'm treating um, endurance athletes. Because it it just doesn't, 
doesn't just go away when you've had one issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think most of the people I see, like they start to realize that as we're working together and developing that like therapeutic alliance, um, they, they learn to trust me as a clinician. And then Hmm. knowing that like, there's other things that are contributing to this. It's not just this like one ankle sprain or it's not just this uh, like lateral knee pain that I have. There's other bigger picture things that we can address. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, I think I don't want to like, you know, just like give, you know, people like, okay, they do these things and like this will help. But like, but I mean, I think like you said, like every person is different and I think it's important to kind of see where your biomechanics lie. Mm -hmm. And even if you are injured or certainly if you're injured, but even if you're not Mm -hmm. to kind of see that preventative stuff. But like for me, some staples that um, have been in my strength training plan have been you know, squats or deadlifts. And, you know, that can be amended based on, you know, like for me, my range of motion in my ankles and things like this, like, um, like, um, you know, types of deadlifts. Like for me, it's like trap bar versus like a straight Romanian deadlift. Mm Um, I feel like I'm a gym rat now. But yeah, you guys can look these up. <laughs> it's just like um, trap bar deadlifts are really cool. It makes you yes. like feel very strong. Yes. Um, but yeah, and so something, and then something for me that's always like that I'm always um, like fighting against is how tight my calves can be. Yeah. Because that can cause different issues mm-hmm. um, for me, not only in my range of mo- motion in my ankles, mm-hmm. but I feel like strength training and PT, it's like, it's, it's definitely the actual act of lifting heavy weights or some sort of weight mm-hmm. or working on that imbalance. If you yep. have it, mm-hmm. um, I would, yeah, I think most people do have it, um, yep. have some sort of imbalance yep, and that's normal, but exactly. And I, but I think it's also just the, the recovery aspect too. Like, yep. um, you know, I, I, I use Revo just as much as coming, like, to lift weights as I do to do recovery and, you know, stretch and do little like ankle mobility things and, you know, dry needling. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think runners really just like to run, but that Mm. other, like we talked a lot about strength training, but the recovery piece is equally as important. Mm. That's where PTs come in quite a bit. So you mentioned like dry needling. Um, Yeah. What is, let's, let's talk about that for a second. What is dry needling? Dry needling is the use of an acupuncture needle into like a quote unquote dysfunctional muscle. So um, there's a couple different like indications for it for, for you. um, We're needling your calves because they're super tight. Um, the insertion of that needle causes changes at the chemical level to help that muscle release. Mm-hmm. Um, we can use that at like certain trigger points. So say you have like a knot in your muscle, mm-hmm. um, putting the needle in that area, um, can help release that muscle tissue. If you think about if a, you have a big knot, that's muscle tissue that's banded up. Um, muscles need to shorten to contract. Mm-hmm. If you have this banded bunch of tissue, those that's tissue that's not contracting properly so Mm. it's not doing its job essentially so for you like you've when I needled you on Friday like you had a couple really big (laughs) muscle knots in there that's contractile tissue that's not able to contract because Mm. it's over shortened Mm -hmm. so um that's where dry needling can come in as well um it's an awesome awesome tool for both like um from a therapeutic standpoint but also from like a recovery standpoint for more performance athletes um and then things like like foam rolling and ankle mobilizations and um, lacrosse ball to those like trigger points, those tender spots. It's all really another important piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So um, I 
that's another thing I'm harping on a lot of my patients about. <laughs> Stretching <laughs> for runners. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because, like, I know some just don't yeah. at all. Yeah. And, like, you know, and, I mean, I would say that I think it is beneficial. To some totally. Point. Totally, yeah. Like, I know endurance athletes, they, they don't need to be as flexible because, yeah. like, there is some benefit of having a little bit more, like, kind of less, like, yeah. more muscle tension. Yeah, exactly. Um, As opposed to, like, maybe a sprinter, like, a fast mm-hmm. 5K, yep. 15-meter, 1,500-meter runner. Like, Absolutely. they need like full muscle, like extension and contraction. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think, um, yeah, I believe the, um, stretching, it wasn't something that I stressed as much until I started working here with a lot of higher, higher level athletes. Hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't know if I have a good answer for why, but, um, <laughs> one of the big things we stress here is two to two and a half minutes for every muscle group. So if you're going to be stretching and you're doing anything less than that, like two to two and a half minutes, you're kind of wasting your time. That's what research shows you need to do to actually make a clinically significant difference in the length of the tissue. So um, longer holds, I make people just set a timer because it feels like forever because it is forever. <laughs> yeah. Like two and a half minutes feels so long when you're actually doing it. Yeah. Um, but that's oh, what you I need know. to do. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. So I think what, like one of the biggest, um, like, like say faults I see um, with running is lack of hip extension. So a lot of times that could be, is that a glute strength issue, glute max strength issue? Is that hip Mm. flexion tightness? So kind of deciphering that. Um, And I have a lot of people just do a long like hip flexor quad stretch hold um, Mm -hmm. to address that. But that's another thing that we pick up on quite a bit is um, that's a big piece of the puzzle as well. Yeah. And I think actually, so Revo has, and I was using this when I was traveling a lot, um, like for races. I mean, obviously like Matt, he would write me a strength program. So mm-hmm. if I, but if I didn't have like access to a gym, you know, I could still, I still had things that I could do. It doesn't necessarily always have to be, um, super heavy if I didn't have access to a gym, but on their website, they have uh, like a YouTube channel yeah. and the, you guys post a lot of good things. And also yep. on Instagram, it's Revo sports, and performance um that's i think the hashtag revo yeah yeah, revo sports and performance (laughs) um r-e-v-o and um yeah you guys post a lot of good information there for like either just like you know little like little little videos yeah we're always working on content yeah i I actually have to look up our hash or what our tag is revo let's see revo pt and performance there we go i should know that yeah (laughs) we do (laughs) i know i'm tagging them all the time (laughs) revo pt and performance there we go um but yeah so i mean if there's anything you want to add me we've covered a heck of a lot but yeah i mean like strength training for runners is a beast of a topic we can go down a lot of rabbit holes yeah um (laughs) i think um like, I mean, a basic routine. Do you think that that's yeah. something besides, I mean, like, I obviously would encourage people to come in and get their, um, their like specifics. Assessment. Yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. I think if, um, someone is asymptomatic and any listeners are just looking to add something into their routine, like one to two times a week, I can promise you'll see a difference. Hmm. Um, I think like a heavy front squat, uh, or I'm sorry, heavy, like squat at all with a hmm. barbell, uh, trap bar deadlift, hip thrust, I would like add in like a heavy lower body movement with a barbell. Um, I would do a, a, like a single leg strength circuit. So let's say like single leg RDLs, single leg squat, um, single leg calf raise. And then I'd finish it off with like some hip and core accessory work. So like side plank variations, fire hydrant, skaters, side steps, like all that. Um, hmm. And that's kind of how I'd format. That's how I format it. Um, quite a bit for my runners that are kind of working into a strength program. Mm-hmm. 
One other thing I really like to um, emphasize for runners who are getting into a program, but are kind of higher level runners, like running quite a bit of mileage per week, make your hard days really hard. So, and I know you know this, Yeah. so um, you want to make sure your rest days are true rest days. So on the days that you have a hard track workout or a hard hill workout or whatever it may be, that's the day I'd want them in the gym doing some strength training as well. Make that day all out. That way your rest days are rest days. Yeah. So, so you then, know that better than oh anybody. Oh, man. Yeah. Those days become like an 8 p.m. bedtime. Yes. <laughs> yes. Of nine. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. And then you eat a lot of food yes. too. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, that's something my coach that he, he mean, um, he would come here to Revo as well. He's mm-hmm. since moved. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's always harped on that for me. Yep. And that's something I harp on for my athletes as well. So it's mm-hmm. like, make your hard days hard. Yeah. And I mean, it can, I mean, Definitely. I mean, I think it's worth it. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you, it feels like you need to get that extra motivation. Yeah. Um, but so I think my final question for you would be if you had one piece of advice for, um, for runners, uh, and strength training, what would it be? Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> I mean, at least my piece, I'll help you out here. Cause my piece would be like, don't wait for it to tell it's too late. Right. Yeah. Like for me, I mean, I thought I was re- like relying on my kind of strong muscular frame. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and that's something that saved my life during the accident. Mm-hmm. But again, like, you know, Revo and, and, and discovering these guys and, and discovering an awesome place to, to like do strength training is something yeah. that, I mean, I wish I would have found sooner. I think sooner. we're really fortunate. Yeah. Revo is a special place and I, yeah. I wish everyone had access to something like this, but um <laughs> Let's see, if I were to say one thing, like if I'm having a really hard time convincing someone I need to strength train. Yeah. Uh, I think of, so this is kind of off the wall, but there's this strength coach, his name's Mark Ripito. Okay. And think like he's like an 80s power lifter. Think like Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque. And he has this awesome quote, and it's, uh, stronger people are harder to kill and more useful in general. And <laughs> that's like what I come to every time. I'm like, if, like you can't like look at the performance piece or the injury prevention piece. Like you're going to be harder to kill if you can run or if you can strength train. Oh my gosh. So that's what I come back to. I need a coat that says this. We're going to like put that like on a bumper sticker or something. Oh my God. That's amazing. Um, I love it. That's what I come back to. So, yeah. Um, All right guys. Yeah. yeah. Come on runners. Like let's <laughs> yeah, not be. Sold yet? Yeah. I, I think so. I think especially like, you know, if you're not runner bird arms, like yes. if anything else, it's like, you know, like let's be stop. Harder to kill. Exactly. And okay. let's stop those jokes. You can run for a far ways, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know. I feel like a little weird saying that in front of someone that fell off a hundred foot cliff. You know but. what though? But it, it, it applies <laughs> true. Yes. Harder to kill. <laughs> oh man. So I'll leave everyone with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, thanks so much for joining us Thank today. You so much, it was, it was awesome. awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for joining us this week on the train, right? Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to visit our website at trainwright.com slash podcast. You can find social links and more information from our guests. And you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. You can leave us a rating on iTunes there too. Until next time, hope to see you guys soon.